Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek Discovery podcast by two moms who write about autism and who also happen to be Star Trek fans. We talk about the new series, compare it with previous versions of Star Trek, and also talk about any autism examples we see along the way. I am your host, Elizabeth. Hi, I'm Vicki. Together, we are Moms Going Boldly. Today, we're going to talk about what we thought of the first half of the first season of the series. We'll talk about our favorite episodes, things we liked and didn't like, and our off-the-rails theories. So we thought maybe today we could talk about the top three things we liked and the top three things we didn't like. Uh, our hopes for next season, and maybe talking about our most favorite episodes. Anything else okay. you want to make sure we cover? I have kind of some off-the-rail theories. Go for it. <laughs> well, let's talk about um, the top three things we liked about the first season. I liked when the um, the crew finally came together and acted like a crew. Earlier <laughs> in the season, it didn't seem like a crew, like a Star Trek crew. So in towards it seemed like towards the middle it started becoming Star Trek crews we've seen in the past. Do you remember which episode that you really felt like you started to see that? Well, my favorite episode, which we're going to probably talk about later, but my favorite episode is Into the Forest We Go. Not Into the Forest We Go. That's my favorite episode. But where I saw that was in um, the same Man Go Mad. So you saw the coming together of the crew in a more coherent, collaborative yeah. structure in... I agree. Uh, I think that that episode enabled us to see the layers of friendship and the working relationships coming together so very well. I agree. I know earlier I said that I'm not a big fan of the you know, time loop episodes, but all, most of my favorite moments are from that episode. So, the crew coming together, Stamets and Burnham's relationship, and Tilly, and, and any scene with Tilly and Burnham together, because it just seems like... I like their friendship a lot as well. I really hope they continue to develop it. Me too, yeah. So uh, your other top three things. You got two more things. So the first, t- first thing was the coming together of the crew. Pretty much my top three things were, like I said, Tilly and Burnham's relationship and uh and i i lost my third one that's okay my top three things are are a little bit more global in scope but they're related to what you just talked about and that was that 80 to 90 percent of the time the writers treated us with respect the stories were well crafted the characters were believable and we weren't left going what are you talking about what are you doing right the next top thing for me was that the storylines are so intricately woven. I know that there were some people who really appreciated the episode in a bottle structure that the original series and, you know, Next Generation had where the story was essentially finished at the end of an hour. But I didn't mind the story arc kind of storytelling that we saw in Deep Space Nine. I, I thought that allowed for greater breadth of character development. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I like that. I enjoy it. And I like coming back to see where the story is going. And the other thing is, is that I, because I have felt so respected by the writers and and that I'm comfortable with the story arc, 
I actually have not really minded the different style of the technology. At first it was jarring because it didn't seem to fit, but over time I was able to ignore it and really focus on the storylines and the character development. And so I, I stopped minding that so much. And to me, that was a sign of the good writing and the good process that they've been going through for the show. Yes. No, I agree. I, I still mind the technology, but it doesn't bother me watching the show. It does. I'm not distracted by it. I still want to know why they have this technology, but it doesn't distract me from the story. Yeah. As it did at the beginning. So how about the top three things that you haven't liked? Well, we know it's the Klingon subtitles. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. That could be the off my whole top three. <laughs> is the Klingon subtitles. Yeah, that's really, and it's my top as well. I, and I'm really glad, I, I think you're going to get your wish that we're either going to get the Universal Translator or we're going to get the Hunt for Red October translation piece where they're going to be speaking in English from here on out. It, it was a mistake, I think, to do that. And it just dragged the storytelling down so much when the rest of the storytelling was so tight. It was very disappointing. Right. And then it makes me wonder if there was really a reason for that. I don't know. They had to know it was going to drag the story down. There, ha- I'm, there has to be a reason. So what else did you not like? Mostly, at, at the beginning, it was the technology was distracting. I don't think the first two episodes are even necessary. I think a person can start watching it on the second episode. I mean, on the third episode, the flashbacks and the backstory you get. We don't even need those first two. I didn't like the first two episodes, really. You know, that is a brilliant observation, and you're exactly correct. That that third episode, which was Context is for Kings, we could have opened up the whole show with Michael Burnham on that prison transport and doing flashbacks to how she got there, and that would have been a brilliant episode. It did. I mean, they didn't show us the whole story. You wouldn't have seen the whole story, but you know why she's on the prison transport. They explain it in detail, but they could do that during the course of the season. I think the first two episodes were a waste of time, and it kind of boggles me why they would use that again, expecting people to pay for the rest of the series. And I I was just imagining, you know, the first five minutes, instead of getting water for the natives, we meet Captain Lorca. I mean, because he is such a wonderfully complex conundrum of a character. Imagine how that would have been starting off seeing him in the first five minutes. Exactly. So other things that you didn't like. And we've discussed this before. Cornwall sleeping with the captain bothered me. It bothered me that she's an admiral and she was that naive. It really did. I I am 100% with you because, you know, we want to be able to respect our Starfleet officers. That error in judgment is is very difficult. And it's more than an error in judgment. It's a violation of protocol. Right. And yeah, I agree. Uh, and we want to respect our Starfleet officers, but we really want to respect our female Starfleet officers. Yeah. Well, and that, yeah, that may be personal to us as females, but you're right. Yeah. Because they should know better. Right. Because of what females have to go through on a regular basis, they should know better. Now, perhaps it's because it's the future and, Sexual harassment doesn't exist anymore, and sexual environments that are hostile environments don't exist anymore. Who knows? Perhaps it's no longer an issue. Nonetheless, it's still a protocol violation. It's a protocol violation that Michael Burnham talks about 
in other episodes. She talks yeah. about it. So it exists. We know it's there, and the Admiral violated it. I agree. It's also something that I didn't care for either. Now, maybe it was important for the furthering of a particular storyline. Perhaps, you know, it adds as much depth as we're seeing in Captain Lorica with the errors that he has been making and the deceptions that he has been engaging in. Perhaps she has just as much of a rich backstory that they're crafting, like they're doing for him, but we don't see any as obvious indications of it. True. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I know this sounds fun, really strange, but I'll tell you one thing I did not like is how big the bridge is. It seems unnecessarily big. It is, yeah. You know, in the original series, it was a small and compact place, which makes sense. When right. You're thinking about the other uses of a starship, that the bridge is, shouldn't be very big. So, and, I, and I'm sure they did that so it's easier to move the cameras around and you can get more stuff Hubbard. and effects and, you know, all of that in. I think that was it. You know, the Admiral's situation i think is a really excellent one i would say that was right up there also the klingon subtitles that's my number one the admiral number two and the big bridge is number three so those are the the rest i thought was pretty well done even the sort of the the wonky space whale was kind of fun (laughs) yeah it was so what are your hopes well we need there's so many things that we need explained we need answers too so i'm just hoping i'm sure we won't get all of them in the next season next half of season the season but i'm hoping to get some which are the most important to you well the whole vok thing (laughs) and where are they are they in a parallel universe are they backwards in time why would they cast kenneth mitchell be an unrecognizable Klingon and then kill him at the end of the season. That's a great question. I don't think that character's, I think maybe he's, I mean, I watched it again just to make sure there was no way that he can get into an escape pod. But I think that wherever they are, and this is where I'm going to go off the rails a little bit. Oh, I love this. Wherever they they ended up, there's going to be a version of Cole. Because I just can't see them casting him to have him die halfway through the season. He barely had, what, a half an hour screen time, all told. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, he's not Jack Nicholson, but he's a very recognizable actor. In the, in the past Star Treks, we've seen the Mirror Universe, and everybody's bad. Well, everybody's bad because the people that we're used to are good. So are they are they an alternate universe and maybe move themselves back to the universe that we know? Does that make sense? I didn't, I don't know. Absolutely, if I because it's been a thought that I've been having as well. And I wanted to kind of, do you remember how we did the, we, we listened to the music yeah. from the, what's the current music for the series and then what was considered for the series. And one of the things that I realized when I was listening to it again that we didn't really talk about was how, if you listen to the music, it, it, it starts off and it's got its own unique theme and it goes through the theme and it goes through the theme and then it stops. And then it goes, you know, I get it, yeah. And then it goes to the theme that we're accustomed to. And exactly. I'm wondering if that means that exactly what you were just talking about, that we're in a, and it might be an alternate universe that's kind of funky or it might be an alternate, I don't want to say alternate, also is a terrible word because it has so many connotations, but it might be a framework of Starfleet that is in a period where there's all these issues that need to be ironed out. And mm-hmm. then we're getting to the, we'll, we'll get, we'll get it all ironed out and then we'll find ourselves in the world that we're accustomed to being in. Right. And that's the purpose of going to the original series theme at the end of the music, at the end of the, of the credits, because we're going to end up there. 
Okay. That's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a stretch, I realize. Oh, I don't know that it's a stretch. That makes perfect sense. So, I, but I'm with you. It would, I think it would make a lot of sense for, we have a lot of indicators that Captain Lorca is not who he says he is because he's not, right. he doesn't remember things and he be, is behaving in a way that seems to be antithetical to the way everyone around him is behaving and he needs Michael Burnham. And what if he did come from our universe because in our universe, Michael Burnham was killed by the Klingons, and he realizes mm-hmm. that we need her to help in the battle, and so he's in the alternate universe to get her and bring her back. Yeah. Which would make a lot of sense. It would. Um, and it could be really fun and interesting. And then, maybe, be a version of Klingons that we're used to, too. And it might and be, the, still gonna be the battle with Cole. Who doesn't die this time. Die, right. Plus, now we're bringing along Ash Tyler slash potentially Vok. And Laurel. I know. So that particular little can of worms can still happen in it our could. universe. And and then I was thinking, you know, if, um, like I said earlier, I thought Laurel's motivation had changed to defeat Cole. But then I'm thinking, I'm also thinking that, you know, if, if Vok or Ash, whoever, well, that when she triggers him, he's, his loyalties are now going to be divided because of his relationship with Michael and the rest of the crew. Yeah, yes. And all of that can happen regardless of what universe we're right. in because they're all now on their little petri dish of a starship together. Right. I am with you on my hopes for the next season that that this and other crazy theories be confirmed or denied um, because there's so many wonderful places to go. And this is what I'm talking about when I say I don't mind the story arc because it gives Oh, no, us- I love this. I love this. So what were what you already kind of mentioned this, but your favorite episode was Into the Forest I Go. I know it's not your favorite, but that <laughs> one. Right. I just like that it it answered. It didn't actually answer any a lot of questions. It opened up more questions, but it gave us a lot more to think about. And then it, of course, it then it moved us into a totally different direction at the end. So I really I really liked that when they were on Pava. It occurred to me the Pavans. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about Pavins, P-A-H, like Paw Wraith? Oh. I, it, oh. It dawned on me a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Pavin, like Paw Wraith. Oh, that's good. I, it could be a complete coincidence because in the past, you know, Star Trek has used names, you know, re- reused names. You see the name Ronin a couple yeah. of times. I don't, I don't remember the episodes now, but I know the name Ronan, for example, was used a couple of times in different episodes. Completely unrelated, not intended to be. But so, that's, a, that's good. Well, it would make, and it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, because they're sort of ethereal, like the like paw wraiths were, or the, or the prophets, wherever you want to think about it. Though the prophets wow. were blue and the paw wraiths were red. Right. But that was my worst, that was my least favorite episode. I liked the B side of the the B story, but I didn't like them on the planet. Right. I thought it was Saru bothered me. It didn't make me like him anymore. Though, like I, I guess we were supposed to feel sorry for him, but I didn't. Though it did give us a great example of sensory overload for autistics. Exactly. Exactly. It was outstanding for that. Exactly, but um, I I just did, it, it. If that was the whole story, that would that episode would have never held my attention. After saying I hated the Klingon, the B side of that story with the Klingons, I did like. Rel, sorry, the Admiral and uh, Cole. I, I liked that, even though it was out of subtitles. And I thought that was a good, a good story as well. 
It'll be interesting to see if we get any further interaction between Laurel and Admiral Cornwell. They're somewhere else now. So will there be, there won't be that Admiral Cornwell. Exactly. So it'll have to be a different relationship established. Yeah. As you know, my favorite episode was Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, which mm-hmm. ironically is a ship in the bottle episode. Yeah. So I guess I must have some love for those after all. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't, because it was a carryover from the, the episode where they were, I mean, it was, there was an ending and although we know that's not the end. I just found the lightheartedness of it, the creativity of it, the character development of it, which took place in such short segments. I mean, when you think about it, the character development took place in, you know, 60 second moments and yet did so much. And you need, you do need an episode in a bottle every once in a while just to chill out, I guess. What my, my son calls it, um, what does he call it? He calls it the completion factor. You have to feel like you're done with something. Right. And, and then it makes you feel satisfied. The only drawback for that episode was the incomparable releasing, or not incomparable, the incomprehensible releasing of Harry Mudd with all of the information that he had about Discovery. Right. That made no sense whatsoever. Unless, although I don't know why... Unless the captain time that he was going to where else, then why would the rest of the crew go along with it? Perhaps they just didn't think it through. Yeah. Or because after all, they are theoretically Michael Burnham should have thought it through because she's got her Vulcan training. So she should be doing, you know, extensive analyses of all situations. Right. But perhaps that this was the least uh, worst outcome that they could come up with considering the, the looping. Possible. Oh, I, I was just thinking about the albino because I'm just obsessed with that. And oh, you mean the albino get... from that Deep Space Nine episode, Blood Oath? Because we probably won't get any payoff. But as I rewatched the season, when Laurel was telling Admiral Cornwall that Vok was lost forever, he's forever gone, which says to me that now that he's human, he can never go back to Klingon. Watched the Deep Space Nine episode, the albino. He looks Klingon, but he doesn't. There's really never a mention that he actually is Klingon, and he calls the Klingons those dirty Klingons. Yeah. So up on uh, Wikipedia, and there they say that he never mentions, he, it's never confirmed that he's a Klingon. So I'm wondering if, through all this deception, get himself back to being a Klingon. Or perhaps it emerges without his choice. Exactly. Yeah, that was my second thought. I like this. This, this theory holds water. Because I thought I was going off the rails. Nope, totally. you're going off the rails. I, I think this is a good theory. And it would be a wonderful, again, connector to the universe that we love. You know, and, and even to look at him, he looks Klingon, sort of, but not really. Yeah. He has the white skin like Vok did, but he has the forehead. So I hope that they either tell me I'm wrong or <laughs> I want somebody to turn to the TV screen and say, you're wrong. <laughs> Do you like Star Trek Discovery? I do. Like I said, the first two episodes were hard. Once we got past those and into what I'd like to call the regular episodes, I don't know what that was all about, but um, once we got into the regular episodes, I do. Let me ask you this question. So we know that this is the sixth iteration of Star Trek, and mm-hmm. it's the fifth premiere with your two-hour storyline. Where does this premiere rank 
in oh. all of the other premieres. So Encounter at Farpoint and The Emissary and The Caretaker and Broken Bow and this one, which is The Vulcan Hello and The Binary Battle at the Binary Stars. Well, that it would be a toss-up for last place, this one, and Encounter at Farpoint. Okay. I, I would put it smack in the middle because yeah. I thought that Encounter at Farpoint was worse, and I thought Broken Bow was worse. Yeah. Encounter at Farpoint was probably, yeah, I would have to say, if was, I had to. But yeah. it did lead to an excellent series. It did. And a series that essentially crafted the mold for the rest of the series to follow. So, as we know, a two-hour premiere does not reflect what the overall series is going to look like. Right. My last thoughts are, I do like this. I'm, I'm actually pleased at how it's been treated and how it's been done and and i'm looking forward to continuing to be treated with respect and like i'm an intelligent human being chances are i, I have a feeling that i have to think that they're going to continue on the way they're continuing the way they've been going i hope so the next episode that the, so it's going to be the first episode of the second half of the season so this one is called despite yourself we will watch this next episode despite yourself and then get together and have a chat about it. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find me at autismmom.com. That's autism-mom.com. You can find me at takingstep.com. And we hope that you will join us for the next episode of Moms Going Boldly. Music used on Moms Going Boldly is entitled Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. It is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. And please follow Ross Bugden on Twitter at Ross Bugden.